Greetings in Jesus' name to everyone here this morning. The one that loves everyone with a compassion and tender love that's hard to understand, but we've received it. And what a tremendous blessing. Appreciate the songs that you've led, Brother Joe. Uh, you didn't know what the Lord laid on my heart, but some of them have related to it. The one song I will extol will be, Oh My God, that we sang earlier this morning. Uh, third verse says, Upon thy glorious majesty and honor I will dwell, and all thy grand and glorious works, and all thy greatness tell. I don't know if that speaks to you at all, but I don't think I got the first base <laughs> as far as it comes to fulfilling that. Uh, we sing such nice words. <laughs> and, uh, and yet I think uh, um, <clears throat> that's really what God wants us to be. He wants us to speak of his goodness and greatness uh, to to those around us. And it, it gives us plenty to talk about. And it gives us plenty to say. You know, it's interesting for us to ponder the words of Jesus when he spoke to the woman at the well in John 4, 35, where he said, See ye not, there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already, to harvest. Now, I don't know how often you look up your eyes and look at the fields, but they, it is interesting to do it here. You know, what do you see? What do you see? You see people. And he said, look, you know, there in Samaria, I don't know, he wasn't in Jerusalem, but he's there in Samaria, and I don't know if that city looked a little bit like Harrisonburg, maybe looked like Richmond, I'm not sure. Pretty sure it didn't look like Monterey. I think there was a few more there than that. But, you know, he said, do you, do you see the condition of people's hearts? That's what he was saying. You know, he was saying, do you care about their hearts? You know, it, look, the harvest is white. Already the harvest. That was said 2,000 years ago. Now, you know, Jesus is 2,000 years closer to coming than it was then, coming back for his people. We're living in the last days, and some of them, uh, they were thinking that back there then, too. And yet he said, you know, look, look around you. What, what is going on? I heard the question. I read the question, this statement a number of years ago. What is 750,000 miles long, reaches around the earth 30 times, and grows 20 miles longer each day? That's a line of people without Jesus. 20 miles longer each day. That's hard to imagine. Every time you breathe, 10 people die a Christless death. Every time you breathe. We do that sort of without thinking, don't we? Yeah. Imagine how many people will go to a Christless death Lord Terry's through the sermon. It's hard to imagine. Well, the scripture says the, tr the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. <laughs> well, I'm sure in light of the seven billion or eight billion, whatever it is on the earth, it does look like a few, but I'm glad we can every one of us be part of that harvesting crew. I'm glad for that. And that's why we're here. So I want this message to be just an encouragement for you. Many of you are doing it, but I have found out in my life, I have been spells where I've really uh, 
really cared about the loss. Now, I've had spells where it's just diminished a great deal, okay? And, and, and so I'm going to acknowledge I have ups and downs, and I, I need more gas on this little flame for me. I, I'll just be honest with you. So, and that's what we want to do. That's what we, because we're here more than to be a body of believers encouraging one another. And that sure is important. <laughs> Don't deny that. But, but it's also to spread the good news that Jesus saves. And that's very important. I read, uh, Richard Hur said in his talks a, a couple years ago when he was here, do you remember this? And he said a profound statement. He said, missions is not an activity of the church. It is the church. Amazing. And I think that's right. It, it, it means well, if you want to go too far with that, but in other words, if a church is not a mission church, it's not a real church. Isn't it amazing? I think it's a lot of truth. That was pretty profound. I had to write that down and let that soak in. One person said a truth that merits our thinking. He said, too many Christians are no longer fishers of men, but keepers of the aquarium. I find that quite amusing. And I do know that uh, there has to be some people keep the church in proper realm. And, and, you know, God bless those that need to do that. And I try to help myself in that, in that issue. But the truth of the matter is, you know, if we're all just algae eaters, you know, aquarium, that they suck the scum out of the aquarium, okay? If we're all just algae eaters, there's not going to be much fishing for me going on, okay? And there, there has to be a balance. Or would you want a good Bible-believing, Bible-practicing church that you can enjoy coming and getting fellowship and nurtured and strengthened in your holy faith? That's critically important. But if it stops there, we're missing the, the, the high calling of God on our life to spread the good news of Jesus uh, is in us. And he wants to save us. He wants to redeem us from the bondage of sin. We're, we're missing that wonderful message. And that's why we're here. And so for a church to be healthy and growing, it must have as individuals, every, individuals, uh, the believers in the church must have as a main focus on their life, I want to be a mouthpiece for Jesus. That must be paramount. That challenges me today. You know, what did I do with my opportunities yesterday? What did I do with them? You know, we meet a lot of people. And a lot, some of you meet a lot of people uh, because of electronic devices you have. Imagine what we could do if we use the avenues of communication to spread the gospel. Imagine what God could do. Well, I think he wants us to think of that. Now, the verse right after the first one where I started says in John 4, verse 36 says, And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit into eternal life, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. I've heard different stats on this. I understand that most people say that you got to talk to a person at least seven times about the Lord for, for them to be receptive to Jesus. Some say 11. And so you want to keep doing it because you might be the seventh one, okay? Or in other words, somebody may have did the first six, okay? Yeah. You might get to do the first six and somebody else do the seventh one, okay? But the main thing is we're planting the seed. Mm -mm. And the Holy Spirit's leading our lives and, and giving us words to say. I heard a song one time, and the thought of this just thrills me. I dreamed that went to heaven, and you were there with me. 
I walked upon the streets of gold beside the crystal sea. We heard the angels singing. Someone called your name. You turned and saw this young man, and he was smiling as he came. And he said, friend, you may not know me now. And then he said, but wait, you need to, you used to teach my Sunday school when I was only eight. Every week you said a a prayer before the class would start. And one day when you said that prayer, I asked Jesus in my heart. Then another one stood beside you and said, remember the time a missionary came to your church and his pictures made you cry? You didn't have much money, but you gave it anyway. Jesus took that gift, gift, the gift you gave, and that's why I'm here today. Course goes, thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am so glad you gave. One by one, they came as far as the eye could see. Each one somehow touched by your generosity. Little things that you had done, sacrifices made, unnoticed on the earth, heaven now proclaims. I know that up in heaven, you're not supposed to cry, but I'm almost sure there were tears in your eyes. As Jesus took your hand and you stood before the Lord and he said, my child, look around you. Great is your reward. Every one of us can experience this, but we won't unless we're used for the Lord here. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am so glad you gave. How many people are going to be in heaven because that was my lifestyle? That's a worthwhile question. You want a life of meaning. Serve the Lord and be used of Him and you'll have the most exciting life on this earth. It couldn't get more exciting. Because I hear a sermon, you know... Christianum is boring. Friends, if it's boring, it's because you're serving him that way. You know, when you don't know who you're going to talk to tomorrow and what you're going to say, friends, how can it get more exciting than that? Because it's the Holy Spirit leading in your life. He's making opportunities. He's giving you a word to say. I tell you, that's almost more excitement than, you know, an old man can stand. But, you know, we want to be used and usable, and that's what he wants. Now for the text. The title is, Ye Shall Be Witnesses. Ye Shall Be Witnesses. The title, the text, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the pyre may be of God and not of us. Now, I don't know how you feel about treasures, but I've, uh, you know, some people seem to have treasures, and they like treasures, and uh, 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 you know, and they shine them. You know, some people you think their their vehicles are treasures, the way they wax them and keep them all, uh, whatever, uh, shiny and, and uh, looking nice. And uh, you know, well, you know, uh, where a heart is, there is our treasure. He said, you know, you have treasures. Do you know that you have a treasure? You know, regardless how poor or you may be, if you have Jesus in your heart, you have a treasure. Yeah, it's a real blessing. No wonder it says in Colossians 1, verses 26 and 27, even the mystery which hath been hid from the ages 
from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to the saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is us, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. I tell you, friends, we have a treasure, and we talked about that in Sunday school class. The meaning of all life is fulfilled when Jesus lives in our hearts. And we've submitted our life to him. We have that treasure in earthen vessels. Now I tell you, why don't we wax that one off? Okay? We want to shine for Jesus, in other words. Not as if we want to be a mouthpiece for him. I am so glad that everyone on the face of the earth that comes to age of accountability can be saved. The scripture says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Everyone we see that there's an age of accountability is somebody that Jesus wants to save. And I guess the real question is, do we, do I care that they get the good news? Do I care? Uh, and, and so it's a real blessing that we live in this day and age of, uh, of good relationships. You know, most people don't turn you off. Now, some people do, but you know, Praise God when when they can tell there's some excitement about it. Most people want to uh, to hear you out. No wonder it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And that can be in our lives. That's what it wants to be in our life. A new creation in Christ Jesus. Is that what we're experiencing? Praise God, we can be. And then we want to share it with others. So let's review just a few verses right before where we read in our text, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7. I'd like to go back to verse 6 now, 5 and 6 now, where it says, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your servants, for Christ's sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, in the face or in the person of Christ Jesus. So, you know, we don't, we don't preach ourselves at all. It's Jesus Christ. It's what he can do for us. He can change our lives. He has, better yet, make a testament. He has changed our life. He has made us a new creation. And we want to say, we sang all his wondrous works. <laughs> wow. That would take a while, wouldn't it? What an opportunity we have. We still have so many things to praise the Lord for. Um, uh, a good testimony of the goodness of God uh, everywhere we go. That, that a, a vibrant testimony, up-to-date current testimony. Now, if you've been born again a number of years ago, which some of us have been, uh, like 45-ish or 6, you know, you, you know, that is good to speak of your conversion experience, your new birth experience, I like it better. But how much better is it what Jesus has done for you yesterday? That's called a current. Testament, okay? Because it's kind of it's kind of a shame when the best thing I can say is, well, you know, I was born again 45 years ago. That was so exciting. You know, it's wonderful. Well, what has he done for you since then? You know, yesterday, you did you pray to answer your prayers yesterday? He probably has. Probably has. We don't focus on that too much. Has he delivered you from the bondage of sin recently? He probably has. He probably has. Has he fed you and nurtured you and strengthened you in the inner man and given you peace? If you're a Christian, he surely has. You know, you know, peace and past understanding. You do you have fulfillment in your life? 
your spiritual life? If you're walking with Jesus, you do have it, okay? And there's another thing. And this is a very good one to remember. That you are walking with God and you don't need to fear death. You know if you die today, you're going to heaven. And I tell you, friends, that's priceless. Every, every sinner that's relevant in a spiritual walk knows if they die today, they're not going to heaven. That speaks to everyone. I mean, you, so you can say comments like that to help them think what they're doing. Now, I remember numerous years ago, I had to give a testimony. And that was back when Lori Harster, I think, uh, led the course. Had been before a lot of your days. <laughs> uh, but he led the course and he'd pick on some people to give a testimony in there. And one time he picked on yours truly. And, and, uh, and so I had to write out this testimony. I tell you, that was a chore. That was a big chore. And that was a good chore, though. I was admit to that. And I wrote this thing out and I read it. And that was good for me. Because I reread it. I said, is this true? Yeah, it is true. This is what Jesus is doing for me. You, you know, I mean, you, uh, wouldn't it be good for you to write out a vibrant, te- a, te- a current testimony today and read it and reread it? Probably do you a lot of good. Did me a lot of good. Well, that was starters. That was for starters. And, and, and that was good. That was, that was tough. But you, if you don't do it once, you'll never do it twice. And so, you know, you, you gotta start and it's, it's a good thing to do. A vibrant current testimony for the Lord speaks volumes to the unsaved. Yes. Have one, live it, and say it. It does a lot for you. So, Psalm is in Psalm 73, 28. But it's good for me to draw near to God. I will put my trust in the Lord I, that I may declare all thy works. Well, I don't know if we have to declare all of them. It would be good if we just declared some of them. That would be wonderful. No wonder what the psalmist said in Psalms 40, verse 10. I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I declare, I have declared all thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. I don't know how you like to speak in front of great congregations. I like to speak to little ones, but, uh, it means he just had the brass to say it, okay? <laughs> he just had the brass to say it. So, how is your testimony? I tell you, I get around some people, I said, how are you doing today? And I've heard them say, I think I'll make it. And I'm about to say, what size is your God? What size, you know, I mean, you know, I think it's good. How's it going today? I'm having a good day in the Lord. Is that hard to say? If it is, practice it in your house. Because a good day in the Lord is such a, I'm just, we're trying to give pointers of how we can extol the what Jesus, we, we need to inject Jesus into our conversations, okay? And do it in church, and then do it everywhere you go. Uh, what, what a blessing. We need to be like Paul, where it says in uh, Romans 1, verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Yes, God could have used angels to speak of his goodness, but he decided to use you and me. And so we have a high calling and a a privilege and a responsibility to share share the good news. I understand that they just said one time, if I believe in a God that is a God of love and a God of justice, and, and that he can redeem men from their sinful nature and redeem them from their sinful ways and forgive them their sins, and then they could be on the heaven, and I believe then there's a heaven and there's a hell. And every unbeliever was going to hell. He said, I would spend all my time telling 
people about Jesus and how I could be saved from sinful living. I thought that was a little stretch. But shouldn't that be the mentality that we have that I will use every opportunity that Jesus gives me to speak for him? Shouldn't that be our mentality? I think it really should be. See, so it comes from a heart's desire. Do we care about the lost? That's my, that has a lot. Do we really care about the lost? Do you really care that the majority of mankind is lost and going to perdition? Do we really care? If it does, you do, it'll motivate your mouth, heart and mouth, okay? It makes a lot of difference. So witnessing or speaking for the Lord is not something that you just do at an isolated time. It is a lifestyle. And that's what, that's what Paul did. And that's what Christians do. It's a lifestyle of walking with Jesus on a daily basis an hourly, minutely basis, walking with Jesus, communing with him, knowing that that is your very life breath spiritually. Without him, you're nothing. We're nothing. And that you just, you you don't want to live a, a day without the Lord and you're enjoying this walk with him. And so you have something to talk about. Now, I've noticed people like to talk pretty well. Uh, we got some bear permits on our farm. And the other day, a bear had the bad fortune of being in a cornfield there. And we was around there, and Rodney killed a nice bear. We met as a brotherhood that evening for other purposes. <laughs> and it was for good purposes. And you know what? Everybody knew before long that Rodney killed a bear that day. A big, uh, a big old bear, about three, 350 pounds. You know why? We speak what's on our heart. That's why. We speak about what's on our heart. You know, we really, we, we, we kind of do. Uh, and so, you know, uh, how is, are we like Peter and John in Acts 4.20? We cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. May I say experiencing? Experiencing? Yes. Yes, that is what God wants us to do. Several years ago, I was at uh, some meetings, and a brother walked up to me and said, Jesus loves you. I actually thought I knew that. And I know that I knew that, to be honest. But he said something very interesting. I said, I said well, I appreciate that. What's going on? He said, and yeah, I knew this brother. And he was from Pennsylvania. He said, you know, I, I told the Lord that this year, every day, I'm going to tell somebody Jesus loves him. And that wouldn't be too hard. In fact, that's not even invasive. You know, you know, I think we ought to be thinking about what we can say. Is it that hard when you're giving soup out one of these days to say, Jesus loves you? I don't think so. I don't think so. It shouldn't be that hard. And yet, when you inject Jesus and in, you, you change the mentality of the conversation, see that? And God can use those kind of things. Uh, he, he wants us to speak up for him and say things for uh, him. No one says in Acts 1 verses, uh, verse 8, and ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the uttermost parts of the earth. And, and you know, and, and that is a very, you, we receive power after the Holy Ghost, okay? These are Holy Spirit appointments. You know how many times we wake up in the morning, Lord, Please give me an opportunity to speak a word for you today. Now, don't say that unless you're planning to. You better be available. Because he'll give you somebody and maybe give you a couple. 
You probably had a good number of them yesterday, actually. So maybe it would be good to pray that, Lord, give me opportunities, but give me a word in season. May your spirit lead me. Because it says here, we don't receive power just because we're available. We receive power after the Holy Spirit has led us. Friends, there's nothing to replace it. You can, we can say anything in the world. We can give a testimony and it's, it lands on deaf ears if the Holy Spirit doesn't lead us. And, uh, then what to say? Always strive to inject Bible into your conversation. The Bible has more power than any words you can say, any other of your own words. Inject Bible whenever you can. And then it says, then after you prayer, pray, you're following the Holy Spirit, you have power, okay? You can't have the Holy Spirit and be anemic in your spirit. It won't work. You have power. Your life is exciting. You're walking with the Lord and you love it. You know, it's your glowing testimony. It's just, it's more exciting than shooting a bear, okay? Is it true? I mean, could we ever get that excited? Well, you know, we're just kind of quiet, plain people, aren't we? Wonder what God thinks of that phraseology. I think he wonders what's happening in our hearts. I think he might wonder there. Then he says, look, you're supposed to be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. Where's Jerusalem? Right where you live and where you're worshiping this morning, okay? Now, I know it's good to go to New York, and that can save your conscience a little bit, but only a little bit, because that is out there in Judea, okay? That isn't your Jerusalem, okay? And wouldn't God be much more blessed if you, if we would talk to our neighbors, our Jerusalem? The ones we have in contact around the church here, wouldn't he be much more blessed? Yes, he would. Most all converts that I know of in the church settings that I've been in come on relationships, good, continued relationships with brothers and sisters in the church. That's how you make real converts. Now, not converts, disciples, okay? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because we're not looking for converts, we're looking for disciples that follow Jesus, right? Amen? That's what God wants us to do. And so, and it takes time. It takes effort. I know of a man uh, several years ago that he lived next to a farm about half a mile away. And he would drive by a person's place. And he was known for drinking. You could smell drink on his breath some mornings at nine in the morning. But he was a nice man otherwise. Uh, but he was, you know, he was a little tipsy. And he could be pretty cantankerous when he was that way too. But and you know what? This young man decided to fairly often to stop by and say hi to this man. How are you doing today? And show care. Within two years, that man gave his heart to the Lord. All because two or three times a week, he would spend just several minutes and say, how's it going with you today? And he would say something about drinking. He would say, you know what he'd say? Jesus can help you. This isn't profound, deep doctrine, okay? This is just the word in season. He said, Jesus can help you. That's all it took. And with a while, he said, you know what? I need help. All but, you know what? Every one of us got five minutes a day to give. We have more than that, actually. We have a lot more than that. But that challenges me. And that man still was striving to walk with the Lord. He's had some barriers on the drinking. But uh, he's still a project that God's working on, and we're trying to aid the process. See, that can make a lot of difference. 
a word in season. Get brass, say it, and keep brass, okay? Keep bold. Because that, that, it, makes, it makes a lot of difference. You know, so cottage meetings, rest homes, community outreach, things of that. You know, where you, and these are sort of appointments for years. For years, Philip might remember, I don't know if you spent any We had outreach work, we call it outreach work. Every Tuesday morning, 52 times a week, I'll remind you. I mean, a year, not once a month, okay? Let's get the setting. We would go to Bethany at 9 o'clock, or was it 9 o'clock, I forget. Every Tuesday morning, Bar none. I'm not saying I didn't miss any. Sometimes there'd be three or four brothers, sometimes there'd be five or six, and we'd do outreach work. What would we do? We would talk about where we was last week, we'd share, and then we'd pray, and then we would go out and talk to people about the lost. Now that wasn't that wasn't the total circumference of our outreach, because that was that wouldn't better nothing, but it wasn't what it was be. It kept your fire lit, okay? When you do that, when Wednesday you had an opportunity to talk to someone, guess what? You was available. Because you wanted to stay available. We did that for years, years on end. You know what? Any church like that will be a mission church. You'll be a real church. You'll be a real one. You know that kind of commitment. See, what do we do all day that's so important in the big picture? That's a bad question. Because it kind of digs in, doesn't it? What do we do all day that's so important? Nothing is more important than being a mouthpiece for Jesus. Is that true? Maybe we better think about it. It is. Because that's why we're here. We're here to follow Jesus and expand the kingdom. What an opportunity. What an opportunity. I know of a man that come to those outreach times, and he, he would go to one place. He got a Bible study started, which is good. We, we tried to promote that. He got a Bible study. And it was up at Gail and Cook's. Did you remember Gail and Cook? No? Okay. Or your okay. And he went there on a regular basis. Like, I mean, like a couple years straight. He would go there almost every week. And we went there. His wife, Bernice, Bernice, I forget how to say it. Bernice. But she would find, you know, if in some time, boy, she headed for the garden. And uh, <laughs> we'd been to there and she's always out in the kitchen or somewhere around the corner. I mean, you know, she wouldn't go let too much of this stuff rub off on her. And, you know, after about a year or so, it's getting interesting. She started joining in the Bible study. Persistence. A couple of years. This wasn't one fly-by thing affair. This is commitment. God bless his commitment. Gail and Cook accepted the Lord through those that effort of that brother mostly. Now, let me tell you some things. Uh, number one is, he wasn't a satellite saying it's me going there. The body. Outreach is enhanced and blessed by God if you give it a body of believers, okay? That man knew that he was part of a church and that different church people would come because he talked about the situation, they would come and they knew there was a body of believers that were caring about him. He knew when he did when he come to church, he had a number of friends. Guess what? He already knew about half the brotherhood or a good number of them. He was coming among friends. And so Galen Cook accepted the Lord. Wasn't too many years later. Gail and Cook become a member of Bethany Mennonite Church. Was it worth it? Was it worth it? This guy sacrificed a few dollars. You know, there's a, there's a scripture that just haunts me. We say that one soul was worth more than the whole world. But dear brothers and sisters, when are we going to start practicing that? 
You know, it's not, we have a, we have a day and opportunity. We, we can do this, okay? We can do this. My, my time schedule is getting blurry, okay? <laughs> that woman got a, 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 a bad physical ailment and got, got put into a nursing home. Ernest Cook. Somebody else was talking to her, and that woman accepted Jesus in the nursing home. Amazing. We was rejoicing it. Never to know that within days was her appointment with Jesus at the judgment bar. Within days. And there's no question the seeds were planted several years earlier from faithful, some faithful brethren going in that home. Even though she would leave, they kept coming. She started sitting down. Seeds were planted. There was rejoicing in heaven and on earth when Galen and Bernice Cook accepted Jesus. It was a huge, it was a significant thing. Let me tell you, that brings life into a church. It brings life. It brings excitement in there that, that actually just nothing else really can other than the Lord leading in our own personal lives. And that's exciting too. So what an opportunity uh, we have. Scripture says, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I deny before my Father was in heaven. Now that's an encouraging verse, but it's also slightly condemning. Years ago, when I lived at Briar Branch, we had a man there come there. He was a trapper. He trapped foxes. And I didn't even know we had that many foxes. We liked to trap there. And I assume he was getting some foxes. I know that he was, actually, because we talked to him periodically. A little bit of a rough-looking man. And yet he was easy to talk with, a nice fella. And so every now and then, he would just come and go check his traps. You're supposed to check him, I think, every day. And he would come and go. And so I got to know him. One day he was uh, talking, and and he said, uh, you know, he is a uh, leader of the outlaw band the band called the outlaws what a horrible name but probably appropriate for what you sing you know but oh yeah and, and so he had his girlfriend there with him and uh, we got we got to know them a little bit not much you know one day i had an opportunity to talk to him about the lord but you know it just well you know it just didn't really fit in you know how you know it goes just i'm a little timid and it didn't really fit in and uh i assume you probably have the same excuses because that was mine, and I don't read that in the Bible as a good one. And then here later that summer, or was it fall, here I was reading the paper, and I don't know why, but I'm sure the Lord led me to do this, just because I don't normally even do this. And I was reading in there, and here he said there was a picture there, and I didn't recognize it at all, and he said, this man was the leader of the outlaws, the band outlaw band. Oh, no, kidding. You know, that's the man. That's the man, you know. And I looked there, and he did kind of resemble himself, you know. And, and I thought, But you know what the problem was? It was in the obituaries. That was a problem. It was in the obituaries. You know, I had to think. God, you gave me an opportunity to speak to that man. And I didn't use it. I had to repent of that. You know, there could be somebody burning in hell because I didn't speak. I'll tell you, that's serious. That's serious. And yeah, I, and I had to think, you know, I'm a farmer. 
We still have salesmen. Not not near as many as we used to have. We still have salesmen. We have neighbors come by and hang out on a dairy farm. It's weird, but they do. They're not weird people. It's just strange to do that. And you know what? Do I use those opportunities? God help me, I try. I'll just tell you, God help me, I try. Because we have to. We have to. Also about that same time period, I was meeting a man in the community. His name was Harry Heiss. He was a little bit rough. He lost his wife, and he wanted a, a companion bed. I didn't understand the thought, but he thought that was the worst and most pressing need in his life, and it wasn't. If a person smokes or drinks, their biggest problem is not smoking and drinking. Their problem is Jesus, people. Talk to them about Jesus, okay? <laughs> yeah, Jesus loves you. He can change your life. We had a shatter from the mountaintops, okay? Okay, I got that one out of my system. But hopefully it's in yours now. Oh, and uh, he would come and he had a few other tricks he'd do. He had a pistol. He'd leave it on his TV there. And he said, you know, somebody calls my pad, I wouldn't mind using that thing. It's just a tad uh, intimidated. I don't know how you'd be, but you know, pistols and people, I mean, you know, and whatever. But I figured if I was going to die young, it'd be good to die speaking for the Lord. Amen. You know, and and so we kept going back for a while. But I could tell. And you know what? This was in two miles of Bethany Church. And it was been there about 80 years at the time. 80 years. And it's out there where the population didn't quite like two miles here. And I uh, said one day after a couple visits, Lord gave me enough courage. Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus now? You know, it shouldn't take too much courage. After you practice that while, it gets easier. Do you know Jesus? I never heard of him. I was embarrassed. Within two miles of where I lived, in two miles of the church, we had people that didn't ever hear about Jesus. I don't know if it pained you, but it pained me. Because I wasn't doing my job. That's why, I, well, you know, how can I be a mouthpiece of people that are close by? And so we told him about Jesus. We told him about Jesus, what he can do for his life. And he turned him down. No, I, I, I need a companion. I said, no, you know, you need Jesus. And we did numerous times we pled with Harry Heist to accept Jesus as his Savior. And he always turned him down. It was heartrending. You know what? The one he was serving was controlling his life. And it wasn't too much after that. We slowed down going there, but didn't quit. We slowed down. Within a year or two of that time, he used that revolver to take his life. That was so sad. But you know what? Harry Heiss had several chances to give his heart to Jesus. And I praise God that he gave us those opportunities. He gave us those opportunities. We live in a land of great opportunities and we need to be willing to use them. Just be a mouthpiece for him. The scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 11, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Now I thank God you don't have to persuade anybody. The Holy Spirit does the persuading, doesn't he? We offer, we speak of the goodness of Jesus. We speak of what Jesus saves. He can deliver you from whatever bondage of sin you might have. Uh, he can deliver us from sin. He can have cleansing in Jesus Christ. And you know what? He persuades men. But he won't persuade people the way he'd like to if I'm, if I'm not available to talk. And so we get to be those people. I read a poem. I hope it doesn't speak of your lifestyle. 
Can I live in ease and idly let the precious days pass by while the world is rushing onward and eternity draws nigh? Can I disregard the pleading of the souls in darkness still, none to bring the light of blessing, none to answer, Lord, I will. Can I live for self while around me souls are rushing blindly by to the awful doom awaiting those still in slumber lie? Can I idly shirk my duty, close my eyes to those in need, let them lose their souls in darkness just because I would not heed? Can I face God in the judgment and the souls I might have won? See them turned aside forever for God's work I had not done. Can I hear the dreadful verdict in remorse and gloom to sink, ere shut out from his presence, plunging sadly or hell's brink? So the question is, am I willing to speak out for Jesus? Do I really care about lost souls? Do I bathe my life in prayer that the Holy Spirit will give me opportunities and give me a word in season. See, the labors are few, but every one of us can be part of the harvesting crew. God bless you in living this kind of lifestyle. Should we have a song?